Welcome to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I'm your host, writer and comedian Emily Winter, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have writer, podcaster, and voice actor Brenda Holiday. Brenda, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to hear your story. And also when we just hopped on, I'm like, oh, this person has a me accent. So (laughs) you are podcasting. Yeah, you're podcasting from the Midwest right now, which I love. And is that where your story takes place? Yes, it is. Awesome. Chicago, um, Buffalo Grove area, probably. Cool. Well, tell me everything. I'm so excited. Okay. So this happened to me when I was 17. Okay. Um, so many, many, many years ago, uh, I had already sort of been predisposed to believing in ghosts and the supernatural and preternatural because of my mom. Um, she had told me about experiences she had had with ghosts when she was a kid. Um, and also as an adult, when she uh, first was getting married to my dad, mm-hmm. she saw a full ghost in my grandma's house. <gasps> She's the only one who did, um, but she had only just met his mom, my grandma, mm-hmm. and and father. So she said, "I saw. I have to tell you, I saw a ghost in my room last night." And she introduced herself to me as Hannah, and said, "Welcome to the family." Is oh this, my gosh! Is this something you've seen before? No one had ever seen or heard a ghost in the house ever, but apparently that was my great grandmother's name. Oh my, my God. I was going to ask if Hannah yeah. was significant. Oh 100%. my gosh. So your mom, no idea. your mom has like abilities. Like, yeah, that was known. She was very sensitive, you know, very intuitive woman. Um, always could see through people and see into people, whether they liked it or not. And yeah. So I sort of always was fascinated with it anyway. So angsty, angry teenage me mm-hmm. <laughs> was super unhappy with the fact that my mom was getting remarried. She was engaged and then unengaged every other week with a guy who was a a douchey douchebag. He was my brother's psychiatrist, which if you don't know, that's a big romper room no-no. You're not supposed to date your patients or their parents. Um, He ended up prescribing medication for her too for ADD. He was treating my brother for ADD and then he dated her. Like, you're not supposed to do that. This is all kinds of wrong, like legally, morally. Yeah. He ended up losing his license to practice because he prescribed medication for a child that was contraindicated for a medication he was already taking. And it like caused a life threatening situation for the kid. So this guy's bad. He had no job. He was not going to be able to get a job. He, he was like a human sloth in my head. Like the way he would talk, he made William Shatner sound like too speedy. (laughs) Because I was an angry teenager, I would like purposely finish his sentences incorrectly. (laughs) It made me so mad and he just wouldn't stop trying to talk to me to be my friend. And I'm like, you don't understand. I am never going to like you. Go away. Oh Um, my God. So... This is the person she's going to hitch her cart to. And I was begging her not to. Um, I was pointing out to her, if you do this, you are going to lose spousal support from my dad. Oh. And take on this guy's debt and his, you're going to be, you're going to have two kids now. Is that what you want? Like, right. two kids 
So I was very frustrated and then enter a psychic fair, which I, I could not pass up. That sounds <laughs> was, so fun. You know how we have uh, strip malls out here that are just outdoor, you know, for some reason. Um, and the sidewalk in front was littered at this one place with little tents and half tables and things um, with tarot card readers and palmistry and mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And so I walked up and down and I, I spied a woman who was just doing psychic readings, which I'd never had. Um, so I sat down with her and I gave her my money. The whole reading was completely unforgettable, was completely forgettable. I don't remember okay. anything except the very end. She gave me two questions that I could ask one open-ended and one yes or no. So I said, okay, will my mother marry her fiance? Mm-hmm. And she didn't even hesitate. And she said, yes. Like, oh, no, please. No, I didn't. You're going to ruin my life. What yeah. are you talking about? Not the answer I wanted. And without even thinking about the fact that I was going to ask another question, it just sort of like popped out. I said, well, how long is that going to last? Mm-hmm. Almost sarcastically. And she had this like really intense look and she was looking up into the side and thinking and she turned a little like quizzical, like almost amused. Mm-hmm. And she looked back at me and she said, until he dies. Okay. Ominous. Yeah. Very and uh, and they're probably pretty young at this point, like forties or something. My mom was thirty-eight. Oh, very young. Yeah. Or no, no, she was she was thirty-nine. She was thirty-nine. Yeah, um, something like that. But yeah, she was very young. He was older, but I don't remember by how much. Um, no reason to suspect death, though, right? Right. And uh, so, but I was a little unnerved by that. She wouldn't answer any more questions, more detail about when that would be or anything. So here I am now, by the time I get to my car, I'm fully in my angst <laughs> about how now I have to deal with this sloth for the rest of my life, you know? Yes. Um, and within about a month, he did. they did get married. They got uh. a marriage license. They got married at the courthouse. I was not invited, but that was fine with me I did you not weren't invited no but I she knew I was against it so it was fine they she he hadn't moved in with us or anything like they she was very um maybe traditional she was a, a feminist to her core but she didn't think it was right to have a man live with her that wasn't married to her mm-hmm. so part of why they were gonna get married so fast what in my opinion fast <laughs> was so that they could be morally um, setting a good example for me, I guess. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So they got married at the courthouse a month later. And two weeks after they got married, um, having never gone on a honeymoon, having never moved in together, he killed himself. <gasps> oh, that's so horrible. Totally unexpected. Um, Do you- he had children oh my- of his own that didn't know. There was, I mean, he didn't seem depressed. He just got married. He was a newlywed. So, Do you think that this was like a long, like a long con or something? I think he was just nuts. He was just nuts. He yeah. Was I mean, person. right. And he had just lost his license to practice medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's horrific. Yeah. Awful. Well, well that's not the end though. Like, oh my I mean, gosh. That's the end of the, like. That's the end of his story. That blew my mind. But this guy like continued to be crazy even after death, if you can imagine. So oh my gosh. Um, I wrote about this on Medium uh, because it was so it made such an impression on me. And why I've never forgotten any of this is um, about a few days, like three days after he died, we're sitting on the couch 
in the living room and there was a flower delivery, which was not unusual. You know, it was like a day or two after he died. So um, she opens up the flowers and reads the card and they're like roses, which is really weird. Like who sends a grieving widow a dozen roses? Like, yeah. Stupid. Um, Wrong she flowers. She hate, and she didn't like them. She loved carnations. That was her flower. So, okay. Somebody who knows her super well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the card was from Keith. It was from my stepfather. Oh he my gosh. sent her roses to be delivered after she he was dead. What? Yeah. Just like, I guess, to comfort her. And she just, she had a meltdown. She had an epic meltdown that I had never seen in an adult. And seeing your mother meltdown... <laughs> It's kind of traumatic. She'd done that many times post her divorce, but like I'd never seen somebody howl in pain like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's snapped in her head. Like it's beautiful in a way, but also cruel and unexpected. What did the card say? I think it just said something like, I'll always love you. Love Keith. Everything was love Keith. (sighs) And I mean everything because there was more like, oh my gosh, she got cards sent to her that she received in subsequent days. So he must have driven like further away from home to mail them for them to come on different days. He left her tape recorded messages of like bad Rod McEwen poetry that he read for her. In uh, Was that part of these cards or was that just like, find? did she just find them around the house? That one was a tape recorder. It was like a cassette and a tape recorder that yeah. she found. That he had recorded a message for her. My gosh. Oh my gosh. Friends, like mutual friends had called her and said, Oh, hey, I just talked to Keith and he asked me if I would give you a call and just see how you're doing. And she's like, What? She'd snap. And these are people who didn't know he was dead. Like, oh, whoa. He was dead. So they're calling just like, Hey, Christy, Keith wanted me to give you a call and see how you're doing. Like, he had called like the week prior and said, Call her next Tuesday or something. Yes. He, called people and said, I'm worried about Christy. Could you give her a call in a few days and just see how she's doing and see if she'll talk to you kind of thing. This is kind of like, I, there's <laughs> some good intention in this, but this is kind of messed up. Like I, yeah. it would really, I would be afraid to like go do my day if I were your mom. Cause like, you don't know what landmine you're going to like accidentally run into. Yes. It was like that for a couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. Constantly looking around the corner for what was going to happen next. I imagine this might be why that psychic looks so amused, you know? Yeah. Um, Because I couldn't figure out her expression. It was such a strange expression, especially then when he killed himself. I'm like, what was that about? Like now it's even weirder. But um, yeah, yeah. By the time she got like, I think it was two phone calls or three phone calls, she hung up the phone. And I could just see the instant change in her. She said, you know what? This is not my fault. I said, yes, you're right. This was never your fault. This is all him. He's crazy. Yeah. So this is exactly right. And she really almost let it go in that moment. So he sort of helped her inadvertently. By sending her so many to the point where it's, this is no longer like a kind, I'm thinking of you, but I've had problems and I've died by suicide. Like, and I want you to know that I love you. This is now to the point where it's like, okay, this is too much. And if you were in your right mind, you would probably know that. Um, but you clearly weren't. So I can let go of some of this guilt. Yeah, exactly. And she did. It was really, 
exceptional to see. That's um, beautiful. <laughs> thank you. She was a good mama. Oh, and then I didn't mention she ended up dying herself. Um, maybe nine months after. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, she died at the age of 40. Oh, that's um, so young and sad. Yeah, really young, really young. And she just had a horrible, the last chapter of her life was so unfair. She was such a giving, kind person. She was a, a firefighter and an EMT um, instructor even. She was a flight attendant. Um, she ended up being in a plane crash for work. Um, you know, a hard landing is how they would classify it. And it um, broke part of her neck, part <gasps> of her spine. So she wasn't paralyzed, but she was in chronic pain. Like for the Ugh. whole end of her life, she was in chronic pain. Um, and at the time, because this was the 80s, treatment for chronic pain was either like um, morphine-based derivative drugs or Tylenol. So oh my God. after a certain amount of time, she was given Tylenol and told good luck. And so she really leaned into being an alcoholic to sort of like self-medicate. Mm -hmm. And that ended up destroying her body very, very quickly. She was just a little thing. She was like five two, under a hundred pounds always. Oh my gosh! By the end, she was like eighty five pounds. Like it oh. was not good. Oh, that's yeah. so, so sad. And my dad left her for his mistress while she's processing all this stuff, suicidal herself. Um, yeah, and uh, my <sighs> brother. I could choose where I wanted to live because I was old enough, so I chose to stay with her. But my brother was awarded to my dad. And she never saw him again through the rest of her life. He he just said he didn't want to, apparently, and my father wouldn't make him, and she wouldn't uh, pursue it legally. Oh, that's so, like, so it was sad. just one tragedy after another for this yeah. poor woman, you know, until this guy who just took the cake. Like, there was just <laughs> nothing worse than that. And oh I ended gosh. up telling her, I did, once she said to me, you know what, this is not my fault. I don't have to take this on sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. I told her the story of the psychic. <laughs> I had not told her at all. What did um, she say? She was so uh, excited, kind of like, you know, um, she was really into it. And when I told her what happened, she's like, oh, it gave me chills. Like, yeah, it gave me chills too. Especially now knowing what really happened. I think it also helped her release it a little yeah. bit. You know? Yeah. Because she already believed in that sort of thing. So well, the idea of it being predestined and out of her control, I think is, helps is a little bit helpful. It's so weird because there's two sides to the predestined stuff where it's like, well, then what's the point of trying anything? Because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But then, yeah, so it's it's like a weird thing, but then it can make you feel much better in certain situations. Um, so your mom believed this. And did she, since she had such a rough end of her life, did she um, use or harness her psychic abilities in any way during like this really hard time? Um, or was it just something that she kind of put on the back burner during mm. this tough transition? I think at that time she was, she had such um, ruminating thoughts. She was in such a depression mm -hmm. that she probably didn't let anything else really in. Yeah. And I think she was clinging to this loser. Um, because she had such abandonment, you know, like uh, uh, fears. And so she just was looking for someone to not abandon her. And here was yet another person who abandoned her. Um, right. You know, literally like checked out in the worst way. Um, I will say that I felt like she has tried to re 
reassure me many times in my life. Oh, how um, so? Well, I ended up living in the condo that she last lived in for a while by myself, which was mm -hmm. creepy enough, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I would just periodically, I don't know, feel like she was there or um, almost like have a, a sense of somebody putting their hands on my shoulder, like not maybe like the warmth of that more than the touch, you know, mm -hmm. especially if I was upset. Um, and, uh, I remember once my door slammed and, um, the, the force of it kind of jolted me. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine part of that was because the window was open, but at the time I said, I could hear some air, you know, circulating around the room. And I just said to the room, like, you have to stop. I can't take this. Mm -hmm. And it did like the wind immediately stopped. So whoa, could be my head, you know, but I remember feeling like, oh God, I wish I hadn't said that. Because um, you're like, I want messages from mom, but desperately, yeah. Right. Desperately. But I do feel her presence um, uh, enough that it helps me get through, you know, um, do you, especially knowing she believes in it herself. Do you feel like you inherited some of her psychic abilities? Mm. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I don't really talk about it, but yeah, a little bit. Like I've seen um, when I was uh, in my late later 20s in the what we called the back 40 at the Renaissance Fair. I haven't told this story in forever. Um, I worked at the Renaissance Fair for like 15 years. Amazing. And I love that. <laughs> it was it's where I grew up, you know. Um, but they had the acreage that was undeveloped behind them called the back 40. And um, there were some campgrounds there, but then it was just thick brush uh, in the woods. So we would sometimes just go exploring. Um, and there was like a big tree that had kind of an ominous feel to it. Mm -hmm. that was just called the, the grandmother tree. Um, it had no, it was totally bare. It was like a dead tree in the middle of a live forest. So that was very strange. And it always had this creepy feel. Um, if you walked around it so of course that's what we always wanted to do is go see the tree yeah and uh get that feeling you know and um my bestie greg who is also a comedian um performer he's at a red fair in texas right now performing his dirty comedy <laughs> so, oh amazing um, i love that <laughs> so we were walking together and um we both immediately like on our way to the tree had this horrible feeling that was like you have to stop right now like we were we both at the same time had this feeling of um we weren't allowed to go any further. Mm -hmm. And I looked to my side at a, at the tree line. Cause I, I heard in my, on that side, there's something walking around. Like I expected it to be like, I don't know, a coyote, maybe some smaller animals. So I'm looking at the base of the tree and instead, how do I explain this? Uh, the shape of a smaller person, maybe like five, four, my height, like, but um, stepped out from the side of the tree in such a way that it wasn't a shadow, but it was almost like the image moved. The, what I was looking at shimmered in the shape of, of being. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the closest thing I can think is like the, the new show, The Peripheral. <laughs> I haven't seen. Oh, it's so good. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah, it's really, really good. Alexandra Billings, isn't it? She's a Chicago original. Oh, cool. Um, She's so good in it. Uh, but they have technology from the future in the show that they can cloak their cars and make them look like they're not there. And as those cars drive, that's sort of what I saw. It, 
it's almost like the air is moving in the shape of a car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain that. It stepped out of the, so it stepped out of the shadows and it had a hand on the tree, like with an attitude, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, to make sure I knew it was there. And whatever sound I made, Greg heard it. He couldn't see what I saw, though he was looking at the same place. And he just said, run. And he ran back to the campgrounds. He grabbed my hand and he dragged me. And we both ran off back to uh, the campgrounds where we told our friends. And um, I had said, what did you see? He's like, I didn't see anything. I just heard you. Like, seeing you respond to whatever you were seeing was enough for me that we're gone. That's it. We're done. Um, So I was really thinking that. What do you think it was? I have no idea. I really don't. Did you ever go back there? No. (laughs) I did not ever go back. I just never needed to somehow after that. Right, right, right. So, but um, I do a lot of meditation now. You know, I I meditate every day. And the more I feel like I open my focus, the the more willing I am to accept what's around me. do you have recommendations for what, how do you start meditating? Like what, what uh, method do you use or yeah. Sure. Um, I have ADD. So meditating is really hard for me, but it's really, really good for me too. So I use guided meditation for the most part. I love uh, Marissa Peer. She wrote a book called um, tell yourself a better lie. That's all about how your perception and you, the way you interpret things in your, especially younger memories is not always accurate, mm-hmm. um, but it becomes formative in mm-hmm. what we believe about ourselves in the world. So she has some great meditations um, that help improve um, your self-esteem and um, set goals and things like that. And then there's also Joe Dispenza who uh, has a lot of guided meditations as well. And his work is more about the quantum uh, field and whatnot. So he wrote some books called, let me think, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself was the first one that I read, but he also has one called Being Supernatural. That's about uh, the nocebo and the placebo effect and scientifically trying to link them to the power of the brain and self uh, healing, that sort of thing. Okay. (laughs) I love that. No, that's great. I think it, it like really ties to a lot of the topics that I talk about on this podcast, but meditation for dummies is kind of what I need. So this is always helpful. Do you know who the Long Island medium is? Yes. Okay. So she uh, had her brain scanned by uh, Dr. Amin, who is a well-known researcher in the brain, while she was doing a psychic reading. Okay. And the results that came back, essentially, the doctor said, well, I can't really explain why or how, but she had changed her brainwaves as she was doing her psychic reading that made it look like she was meditating. It's wow. like you are in a different state of consciousness when you do this, but you're talking and you're responding and you're listening when really that part of your brain that should be able to do all those things is kind of going to the background, just like it does in meditation. So wow. that's where I see the connection a little bit between psychic ability and um, meditation. That is so fascinating. I love that. I love when they're like, science doesn't know why, but science says this is happening. Yeah. Um, since you visited a psychic and this story like your story relates to that I'm wondering if that's something that you still do today like you still go to psychics and if they've ever given you other predictions I've always looked for them but I haven't really seen any local anymore the whole like street fair thing has long since sort of run its course Mm -hmm. um I do want to 
D. John Edward, <laughs> strangely enough. Um, he is he happens to be in Texas now while my friend is there um, doing a, a live show. So I'm kind of hoping to get tickets to go. Yeah. Um, seeing him talk about his experiences as a kid, you know, he said he found his sort of intuitive side and his ability to do this when he was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and so watching him talk about that process, not having anything to do with the readings themselves, but his own journey was so fascinating to me and it seems so genuine. I'm really curious to see what would happen in a, in a room full of people. Yes. Yeah. It's harsh, partially would be like fascinating to see him work with other people, but then also, you know, everyone's in there being like me, 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 me. I, I want, I want, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. I know so many dead people at this point. Like he might not pick me just because he's like, oh, this is so There's loud. So- just go. No, I have had experiences with a pet psychic. <laughs> that oh, amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, my dog recently passed away and that is oh. somebody that I've been meaning to text. So I have mm-hmm. one here in Los Angeles that I've been meaning to text. But yeah, tell me your your, your wow. pet psychic story. So I am a crazy cat lady. And when I say that, I mean, I have 14 cats right now. Oh, wow. You you have the kids. Only four of them live in my house. Okay. okay. <laughs> that helps. Um, the rest are feral, but they love me and love my home. And so I have a lot of cats. So I'm, I pride myself on the fact that they and I have sort of an affinity, except yes. for my besties cat, Rocky, who hates me. Okay. He attacks me every chance he gets. He like has left scars on me. We bought a bottle of no scratch and bite spray to keep him from clawing things. And he bit holes in it. <laughs> like this is how badass this cat is. Oh like, my gosh. This is a no cat. nonsense. Yeah. This cat's ready to be a person. This cat's like, why yeah. am I trapped in a cat body? He really is. And he's been in our life since he was just this big a friend of mine who also takes care of Farrell's um had saved him from a litter that was abandoned by their mom. And he was the only one that made it, which is why she named it Rocky. And he was an orange kitty, which is my bestie had just lost an orange kitty that he was deeply in love with. So, you know, like super, his best buddy. Um, And I convinced him to take this cat. I was the one who went and drove to Inglewood to get the cat and bring him back to my friend. And and now this cat hates you. Yes. It's like, he blames me for taking him away from his mama um mm. my Donna, and taking him to this other place with this guy but then he's also so jealous that we're friends that he hates me like I've had friends witness when I was taking care of these cats like they'll, do they understand they'll die if I don't come back like I'm <laughs> while he's in Texas I am your lifeline you should maybe be nice to me but no right. he'll charge me and jump up and like scratch my leg or not scratch because he doesn't have claws but he'll bite my legs and like yeah he's a monster so we've talked to a pet psychic to try to figure out like, what is your deal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you need? Um, and it, it really didn't help for long. It helped for a little while, you know, for them to talk. And so um, apparently the pet psychic could, could hear them and could ask some questions. And he explained he's jealous and um, maybe blames me for Greg being gone. He doesn't know how long Greg's going to be gone. He need, he's upset that I'm in the space. And so he's protecting the space. Oh, okay. Home. So now we know he needs to be told how long is it going to be till dad's home. And how and, do you uh, tell a cat that? Apparently they understand. I've always believed this. I'm going to sound so crazy when people hear this and I don't even care anymore because I'm old, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I believe they understand very well what we're saying. Um, mm-hmm. 
based on my own experiences with my pets where I've told them things and their behavior has completely changed as a result of the conversation. Um, so he, apparently if you tell them how many lights and darks it's going to be, they understand that to be days. Okay. So say, Dad's going to be home in five darks. They know what that means. Um, I would always tell my dog that too. And I, but like nights, yeah, and I should say darks. Um, next time I have dog, but I never knew. Yeah, yeah, but I was like, I was like, does she, she, she would just look so bored. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> so I, anyway, good to know. Good to know. I should be telling, telling dogs this. I had a, my, I had an ex uh, fiance who had left his cat with me while he was still getting his uh, situation, his living situation settled. Um, and the week before he unexpectedly left me uh, oh boy. to a week after he finally got his stuff, this cat would pee in front of the front door every single day. Oh so whenever gosh. my ex would come home, he'd open the door, step in the pee, open the door, step in the pee. And it just sort of started out of nowhere. And I'm guessing it had to do with the fact that he was planning on booking it um, out of the relationship. So then he kept doing it, though, because now dad's gone. And he's still mad. So I'm now the one opening the door, stepping in the stepping pee. Stepping in the pee. And so I'm cleaning it up. And his name was Osiris. And he's a beautiful blue Russian, just gorgeous cat. And uh, he's sniffing me. He's coming up while I'm cleaning it. And I'm just crying because I'm devastated, right? And I just said, look, I will do anything you want. You have to stop this, <laughs> please. Like, I will have four litter boxes. You can have treats every day. I don't, whatever it takes. Just, I need you to not do this anymore. And that was the last time he did it. Whoa, I love that. For real. I had a cat that like, um, she was at the end of her life. And so she needed a lot of medication. So every morning she would sleep. She used to sleep on my pillow, like around my head. Uh-huh. Like I'm one of her babies, you know, she's comforting me. Um, she's 18 years old. But every morning the alarm would go off and she'd go under the bed to avoid the medication. Oh. And uh, I had to take apart my bed to get her. Like I had to take the mattress off and the box spring to get her every Sad. day. Oh, so my bestie, Greg, who's still my bestie to this day, he, um, he's like, excuse me, I, I need to have a talk with Damien without you. What? He's like, yeah, I need to have a private conversation with her. So we're going to go in your room and you just need to stay out for a bit. Okay. Oh, this is so strange. Okay. And he came out about 20 minutes later. I'm like, what'd you say? He's like, oh no, that's between her and me. <laughs> um, okay. If you insist, but within two days, she had stopped doing that. Well, she stayed out of under the bed so that I could give her a medication. And when, after she passed, um, cause he went with me to take her to the vet. Uh, mm-hmm. I did ask him, okay, now you have to tell me, what did you say to her? And he said, I just told her that, you know, you were trying to help her and that this was really hard for both of you, that the medication was what she needed to live, you know, to survive and to Mm -hmm. not be in so much pain. And that if she could help me by being more um, available, by not hiding, that it would be better for both of us and that it's just trying to help. If nobody's trying to hurt you, it's not punishment. Please, could you help her out? And I, I start crying I'm like, wow, how crazy that they're, they're just that smart. You know, they're so smart. smart. They're so smart. I'm like down these TikTok rabbit holes of dogs that are so, <laughs> are doing workout videos. And like, I'm just like, what? This dog is smarter <laughs> than me. Um, yeah. 
totally. Wow. Well, I love these stories very much. This has been amazing. Uh, Brenda, tell people where they can find your work and find you on the internet. Oh, um, my podcast is called Day One of the End of the World. It is a collection of firsthand accounts of what happened during the zombie apocalypse. So some of them are very dramatic and serious and touching. And the ones I wrote, you will know right, right away because they're very strange and silly and funny. You know, there's a, a song to help kids learn how to deal with the zombie apocalypse. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. There's a bicycle repairman from the Netherlands talking about <laughs> me finding his daughter during the event. And um, so I have the silly ones and my writing partner has all the serious, dramatic, cool ones. Um, you can find that on pretty much any podcast platform or on the website necrodemic.com. And uh, you can probably find me on Instagram, which I'm just Brenda Holiday 13. Wonderful. This is amazing. I love that you've got a podcast that's basically like comedy, The Last of Us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so funny and wonderful. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you, Emily. I love your podcast anyway, so it's really cool to be on it. Thank you for listening to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you can, please rate and review the podcast. Give me a follow at Emily MC Winter on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, hopefully blue sky soon. And also follow Comedians with Ghost Stories on Instagram. Thank you so much.